welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. Welcome to episode 139 of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. This episode, we have uh, a uh, Manitoba angler, Eric Labopa, joining us to chat all about quite a few things fishing. He's big into the fishing scene here in Manitoba, so uh, he also runs the Winnipeg Ice Fishing Show. We're going to talk some early ice walleye tactics and uh, where you can find them. And uh, he's a Filipino angler, and he dives into a little bit about the Filipino culture and some uh, Filipino recipes. So it's a pretty cool episode. I learned quite a bit on this one. And Eric's a great guy, big energy. And um, I think you're going to enjoy it too. So, But on the other line right now, I got Tristan joining me. We are first week into rifle season here. Uh, the rifles have sounded hot. That's no... No estimation of my own from being a field because I, I was in the office today, but reports from the field and from social media indicate that the deer were moving and that uh, a few nice ones had fallen. Um, trying to think, uh, big shout out to Keevan there earlier last week there. He got a nice one in the muzzleloader it looked like. Yep. And uh, a few other guys dropping big deer. Gotta love to see it, eh? Redneck Rock smoked a big one today. Oh, I didn't see that one. Awesome. No? No. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, she shot a real nice buck today. I think it was today. Maybe been yesterday. Good for her. But uh, yeah, she got a nice one. It's dandy. Yeah, it must have been today. And you've, you've been out of touch there too, HAs. I'm still plugging away with the old stick and string here. <laughs> Song as old as time. Yeah, but uh had some encounters, seen some deer, nothing huge. And uh, rattled in a small buck today to 25 yards, which was fun. Um, real nice day out in the woods today. Nice and quiet, fresh, fresh snow. And uh, pretty tough hearing the deer come in, though. I can't even hear them, which is, which is uh, not great for archery hunting. But, um, yeah, uh, I've been putting in some time. I might do take some time off and put in a couple more hours at the end of the week here. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the workload looks like by the end of the week. I got some days to burn <clears throat> and uh if the rut is hot might as well take advantage of it but um you know what that big news coming out of the old twitter verse was there is both the uh not even twitter i messenger both the the father-in-law and our dad both well i i'm i haven't got the full shakedown from dad yet but deer hit the ground this morning yeah or the today too. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of whitetails being uh, dispatched today. We'll say, yeah. Funny story with uh, the father-in-law there. He's, he uh, he was hunting out where we normally hunt, and uh, got got a deer again like thirty minutes into a set. Just unbelievable, like old faithful. Oh my! It's like yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like that f- fucking geyser in Yellowstone there, whatever that is. <laughs> Man. I can't go like that for anyways. He was uh, using the uh, the wagon from Cabela's there, that uh, that deer trolley or whatever you call it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, sent me a few interesting pictures because it apparently was not made for the all terrain kind of experience there. Yeah. So he's he was cursing with the whole way out. He said so. Might have to stick to the sled on that one. Uh oh. 
Yeah. But dad hit the road with Oscar and her uncle there, and he they put a couple down too. I just I wish I would have been a fly on the wall for that experience because I'm sure <laughs> would have been a good one to have on video. I'm sure I don't know what went down, but yeah. I'm sure there was some sort of shenanigans happening there. We'll have to report back there, and uh, a big congrats though to uh, Shelley's dad there, Orv, who popped a nice one on the weekend too. Yep, yep, he did, he certainly did. So little trophy night there, and. Uh... It was nice to get out that way and, and uh, put some time in hunting. It's uh, it's always fun um, visiting with those guys. We don't uh, we don't get out and like hang out as much together. We don't hunt as much together, so it's nice to get two days, you know, hunting and cruising the countryside and, and hanging out. And there's always oh, yeah. uh, Sheldon's got a good group of fellas out there. They're uh, faithful podcast listeners too. So uh, shout out to Scotty Shack there. And uh, the whole crew, because we went out there and, and uh, had a couple beers with them fellas, as usual, and uh, enjoyed their company. It's always yeah. always nice to hear the stories and, and uh, enjoy a couple beverages in that place. You sent me the little video there from out at camp, and it was just, uh, man, it was cool to see. see. A, it's cool to just to see someone else's camp, but to see all the similarities too. The wood stove cracking and uh everyone looked like they were nice and relaxed and just enjoying enjoying the camp atmosphere so i was definitely a little jealous but i, I was super happy just to, to get a taste of that environment because i i was at home at that point in time yeah yeah good crew there and hack was asking about you and i thought you know what tristan hasn't i don't know if you're gonna get a chance to do a real deer camp this year or, or much of any deer hunting in uh in the rut here so i thought uh this would be the next best thing totally little virtual reality yeah <laughs> but you know trying to keep the spirits high here uh when i did cut into a few ducks there a few greenheads did mm-hmm. to, to take the honor, opportunity to cook cook a couple up uh in a kind of a different fashion than i'm used to and uh it turned out pretty good i thought so if you haven't seen it uh i made a reel about it just on our instagram real quick um so go check that out but what uh the just the long and the short of it was i kind of breasted them out but also took the legs at the same time after i, I had plucked the face of the duck there or the, like the, the front end and uh landed up searing them on a cast iron pan with some herbs and shallots and garlic and man let me tell you if, if you if you take the time to do it right and render out that fat from that duck like holy smokes so like you can make a i made a heck of a gravy out of that and it was uh i landed up keeping the leftovers at the legs left over and I made a poutine the next day out of those those legs I braised down. Nice. And uh, we had a, a duck poutine the next day. Oh, that so like, sounds awesome. Yeah. I did not capture that one for the Instagram, but I, I wish I would have because it turned out pretty damn good as well. Yeah. Um, another thing you'll be seeing on Instagram pretty soon is uh, some fresh boots we just got in from Dry Shot here. Pretty slick looking. Um yeah, so we got new, uh, some new footwear. Uh, Sheldon got those, uh, the barn boots. I ended up getting the, uh, what the heck are they? MTX, MXTs? Hang on, let me check here. The Shredder MXTs, camouflage, and they got the extra protection for uh, doing some bushwhacking. And uh, you ended up, what kind of boots did you get? I got the Steady Eddie there. So I got the Arctic version. 
Nice. It's going to be a real, yeah, I wanted to put it to the test. I figured everyone got something a little different and I, I would get something for snowmobiling around or doing a little ice fishing and seeing just how, how cold I could get myself. Nice. Yeah. I've been, I've been still running the, uh, the, uh, our old dry shod boots there and, uh, they're just like, just big enough that I can slip another pair of wool socks over top of, uh, I, I slip, I got like some extra large wool socks that I slip over top of my, my regular, uh, wool love socks. And dude, that's a deadly combo. They're so warm. It's probably like one of the warmest boots I've I've worn now. This is it's great, perfect. great for hunting, yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah, if you guys are interested in checking out uh, Dry Shod Boots, head to dryshodcanada.ca, and uh, you can check out their full lineup of boots there. They have everything on their website. Very nice website and uh, great great descriptions of of uh, what they have available. So check them out. That's dryshodcanada.ca. Speaking of wool love, I was thinking I should maybe get myself into some of the North Wool stuff here as we approach late season. And because uh, it's getting to that point where the layers that I have, like my archery layers, don't really make sense anymore. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like there's no there's no sense of me wearing a light camo pant anymore underneath my bib. It just yeah. don't make sense. I could just wear whatever under there. Some Hopefully something that regulate your temperature a little better and I'm, I'm thinking that's where the north wall comes in you know what i'm saying yeah so north wall if you haven't uh haven't heard of it is uh wool loves sister company sister company i guess you call it. yeah and uh it's a it's a it's like a thicker uh mid-layer almost yes yeah, thicker mid-layer and they have a few options a few different options to to choose from on their website if you head to wool.love which is the wool love website and head over to the north wool collection uh they got two options there they got the north wool women's merino wool thermal leggings and they got the men's uh quarter zip mid-layer hoodie with the pouch in the pocket so it's got like a little hoodie pouch on it and it's got a hood so it's covers a lot of bases there for a couple nice mid-layers and uh wool love has generously up their promo code for the discount code to their website. This is, this is big news. Big news. From 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 from. <laughs> Should throw one of those sound effects in there. Anyways, if you head over to the Wool Love website, wool.love, uh, you can bundle a bunch of different stuff to save some money, or you can also use our promo code Panoramic15 for 15% off of your first order, I believe it is. That's huge. Yeah, pretty sweet. So check them out. That's wool.love. We've been running a long time. I don't know if you guys listened to the last episode or moose hunting episode. We put it to the ultimate test in a survival situation on the river in uh, some of the farthest north remote territory in Manitoba. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. I wear it every time I go out. I wear it around the house quite a bit. It serves many purposes in my household. So it's uh, it's awesome. But uh, Tristan, what's uh, what's next on the docket for you? Um, well, I was just thinking I wanted to ask your opinion there because I know we were talking to McFads. He, actually, I sent a picture of McFads. I sent a picture of this to McFads because I knew it driving a little bendy. But I kind of did a – when we were talking about cooking here because this is how I have to express myself right now. You know what I'm saying? I can't be 
out there. I'm burning through some of last year's venison here to, to get just through the freezer and also get connected to the outdoors. So I did a, a new take on, you know, like a comfort food favorite for us there, I would say, which was the, the mushroom pot roast, mm-hmm. venison roast there. And I uh, had you and Jody down for dinner there. And uh, I don't I, I was pretty impressed with how it turned out there. I'll tell you what I did a little differently in a bit, but like what, what was your take there, Chase? I enjoyed it. It was great. I'd 100% eat that again. Yeah. Yeah. So typically I think what would, would normally be done was just venison, a venison roast would be thrown in a pot with a bunch of mushroom soup mix and just cooked down. And, for, uh, and, uh, onion soup mix as well. Oh. Right? See, I didn't add the onion soup mix. What I did was I caramelized onions mm. and threw those in with some garlic. And instead of adding the soup mix at the beginning, I added at the end and I'd use maybe some, I'd use some stock and some wine to, to cook the roast in. Nice. And I browned it ahead of time. Like I really gave it a good crust yeah, to yeah. like get some of that flavor out. Yeah. So all in all, I had leftovers with it today and it was just as good today as it was yesterday so i don't know might might have to be something to stick in the recipe book and i know josh gives us a hard time about it because he's like hey you you gotta cook your roast you know like treat it like a piece of beef or whatever but i feel like that was that was a tip roast and it had quite a bit of connective tissue in it so if you wanted to do something that might not have been a bad kind of way to cook it down yeah it's almost like a uh Almost like a stroganoff. Mm-hmm. Once you slap it in some noodles, eh? So it's decent weight. You throw something like that in a slow cooker, you know, and just once the prep work's done, you come home and cook some noodles up and it's ready to go. Josh doesn't know everything either. You know what I'm saying? He's, you know, he's not an authority on any of this no, stuff. No. <laughs> Don't tell me, Santa. Don't. <laughs> that stays on this podcast. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> All I'm saying is if you got a comfort food, you got to commit to it every once in a while and just take the plunge. Yeah. And I hope you do. Totally. Um, but should we get to this thing, Chase? What do you think? Yeah. Speaking about comfort foods, um, Eric actually shares one of his favorite walleye recipes on this episode, Filipino style. So give it a listen. We'll fire it up here and we'll catch you on the other side. All right, and joining us on today's podcast, we have uh, Eric Labapa. Eric, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Chase, man. Thanks for having me. Why don't you uh, fill the folks in where you're tuning in from today? Well, I'm tuning in from uh, Waverly West in Winnipeg, lovely <laughs> Winnipeg here in the early November day. It's, it's cold as heck, but uh, I'm, I'm in the home office here right now, and uh, yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's a Wednesday evening here, and uh, no fish. It's in between seasons. I'm not a hunter. Even though I've got a, you can't see it at home, but I've got a camouflage cap on. <laughs> I'm no, I'm no hunter by any means, but it's in between seasons, so I've got some downtime here. And uh, what better way to spend it than to, to chat with Chase on the podcast? Yeah, awesome. Thanks for coming. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, so we're recording this right now, and we're, we're just kind of, like you said, in between. It's just we, we've kind of gone through a couple of cold snaps, but right now it's. I'm looking at the forecast, and it it doesn't look like there's any hope for any warmer weather coming up anymore so there's there's no positives no above zeros in the forecast that i can see so uh 
now it's pretty much just waiting for ice up. It's it's here to stay right now. There's no snow on the ground and that that all left, but it's it's chilly out there. So yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I almost swapping the winter tires on now. Yeah, definitely. I almost like the the no snow for the for the initial freeze up too, because it kind of well, like you said, you're you're not a hunter, but it helps. Uh, you know, walking through the bush and stuff, it freezes up the the swamps and stuff and keeps your feet dry. Nice. Um, it's good for first ice too. I'm saying too, like like same thing. Like just to touch on that. Yeah, yeah. Without like you know like any kind of slush down there and stuff like that, if you could just you know if it's no snow on the ground, no slush on the ground, all of a sudden it gets a really cold snap. Makes for a nice clear ice there. So get that nice freeze. Well. Oh yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Well, we're gonna fi- fire up the uh, five burning questions here to to get to know you a little bit, and um, then we're gonna dive into uh, yeah the meat of the podcast. So question number one is what is on the playlist these days. Like the actual, like, like, like the Spotify, Apple, Apple iTunes playlist? Oh, just whatever you're listening to. What's, I've got uh, I've got a country playlist that I actually listen to. Uh, I might not look it, but I do have a country playlist that, <laughs> that I play in the car. If I, if I leave the city perimeter, it automatically comes on. Like that, that thing. If I'm in the city perimeter, we're playing hip hop and stuff like that. And we're talking old, old school hip hop. I don't know. Nice. Stuff. stuff hurts my head, but uh, older stuff there like uh, we're playing like you know like beastie boys and and tupac and eminem and stuff like that yeah, yeah. but if, if if i got the country playlist going and it's not it, it's like classic we're talking travis tritt and uh and randy travis and, and and garth brooks actually i can't find him on spotify i don't think he's on there but we've got like alan jackson and stuff like that yeah, too. Yeah. so i've got i've got these two things if i'm in the country in the city, nice. it's funny, actually <laughs> that's awesome it's funny because um my my wife always gives me shit about when I, I I don't listen to my iTunes too much anymore, but I would have like a playlist and I'd have some of it would be country and then some of it would be like rap music and then they would go back and forth and she'd always be like, <laughs> How do you do that? How do you how do you switch switch gears like that? <laughs> it's just I've got a third one yet that has like Metallica and, and, and offspring on it and stuff like that. So nice, like, nice. all kinds of stuff. That's good. Yeah. Sounds like you just like good music. Oh, definitely so, man. Um all right, so this one's going to be a, a fishing question. Open water or ice fishing? What's your preference? I've always been an open water fisherman before I even started ice fishing. I'm talking about when I was young. We'll get into that, I guess, later. But open water, and I used to wait until May again to, to fit. And then when I got into ice fishing, discovered that maybe about discovered, quote unquote, 25 years ago or so, all of a sudden I lived for ice. I lived for ice, and that's all I wanted to do. And I stopped open water fishing. Now I think I've sort of. Uh, pendulum has swung back again where i just want to be in my boat and mm-hmm. ice weather it must be all the aches and pains in the bones and joints and stuff <laughs> i mean i love my ice fishing but i'd, I'd if i had to choose I'd, I'd rather be in my boat for sure nice yeah yeah it's hard to beat a good day in the in the boat uh question number three what's one fear that you want to conquer <laughs> i have a fear of heights and i have a fear of blood people who know me Ooh. and they love for that like, like i'm not a hunter or whatever I, you know I, i've actually helped dressed i've been on hunts and stuff like that. i just don't think i can shoot anything but uh i've dressed deer and stuff i've helped uh, do that stuff but i want to get a tattoo and i've oh, had yeah. some designs for like the longest time i'm in my mid-40s now and i still haven't been able to do it <laughs> nash is going to get a tattoo before i get one but eventually <laughs> i'll get it done eventually so that's one fear that i that, that i want to conquer i'll never conquer the heights thing yeah, like, yeah. you're not you're not going to see me jump out of a plane or nothing like that there's no way yeah that's fair that. enough <laughs> I think that also kind of uh I don't know. I never used to have a fear of heights, but uh as I've gotten older and I feel like more wise, there's like certain situations that I don't feel comfortable in anymore that 
I probably would have felt comfortable in before. Like, like if I was in my twenties, man, I was down to go like skydiving. I never did it, but I was like, yeah, we're going skydiving one day. And now I'm like, I don't know if I want to do skydiving anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, you'd feel like invincible kind of thing. Exactly. Like we were talking about our kids off air there and it changes everything too. You have kids now in the picture, like, you know, yeah, big and, time. You can't just take some of these crazy risks. Not that I would, not that I was a big risk taker, but oh, there's some dumb things that I used to do, like um, not from the heist, but on the boat and yeah. water and whatnot, like, taking chances. I, I always tell these people, like, like I mean, maybe I shouldn't even say, but I, the Fairford Bridge on Highway Six, along that bridge, I've I've walked along the outside and I, I've fished from every pillar, like, Oof. you know what I mean? Like you can yeah, go from yeah. pillar to pillar on the on the wrong side of of the fence there. Yeah, I fished from every pillar, like. Like we used wow. to camp out there or whatever. Yeah. Just dumb things like that. Like, why? Like, why? Why would you do that or whatever? And yeah, yeah. That's a pretty... pretty the Red River and stuff. Oh, you name it. That Fairford's pretty fast-flowing river too, eh? Oh, yeah. That was just such silly stuff. Man. Yeah. I never do that now. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. I think I think all outdoors folks have, like, those those things when they look back. You're like, man, that was stupid. Like, <laughs> And then... But you can kind of see how you get into those situations too, so... I know some of the some of the outdoorsy books that I've read in the past where guys have made decisions like just something completely stupid, and then I kind of think about it I'm like, yeah, I'd probably do the same. You no know? kidding, it's you know? a wonder we're still here sometimes yeah. when you think about it. <laughs> no kidding. Um, okay, question number four: What's your favorite non-outdoors activity to do if you're not on the water or whatever? What uh, what are you up to? Oh, I, I, it's it's all sports after that kind of thing. Uh, not so outdoorsy, but basketball would be in the gym, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nowadays, it's more more coaching than it is uh, playing. But I used to be, like, like over the winters when I didn't ice fish, like, or not as much. I two volleyball leagues, uh, nice. three basketball leagues. You know, coaching. Yeah, yeah. I have some ball hockey leagues and stuff like that. Uh, not so much lately. It's more uh, fishing and traveling lately. But yeah, like if I can, it, it's it's uh, playing pickup basketball or coaching kids in, in the gym. Yeah, yeah. Do you coach your kids? Uh sports teams growing up too when they were growing up yeah like like my daughters are 16 and 14 now and nash is four uh but i've coached my little cousins i've coached community teams here and there nice. uh, my old past life there i was a counselor at the map of youth center okay. i started a basketball team there where we played the you know parole officers and we played the awesome. police officers and stuff like that so a lot of coaching right now my daughter my, my middle daughter they're 14 she's into it she plays club she plays uh on the provincial developmental team and stuff like that and at school. So she's really deep into it. So I find myself getting back into it too. Yeah. That's awesome. It's funny. I, I just wrote an article on, uh, that kind of the, the life cycle of like an outdoors family and then how, like in my life, how we kind of grew up in the outdoors, but, uh, you know, lots of sports, lots of sports. And then when fall came around, we did lost hunting. And then it was, once we got out of that, it was like, I found all these other adventures to go on when I had all this free time and wasn't, doing a lot of sports and then uh yeah now having kids i kind of understand why we don't uh didn't do all those other adventures when we were younger because i was always asking myself oh why didn't we do this why didn't we do that and then right. yeah the, the coaching comes in and now we're doing hockey three times a week and swimming and everything you. i hear you man. <laughs> you can play year round you pick your sport i mean there's kids doing all kinds of obscure things and it's year round like it's year round nowadays so yeah yeah it's only so many hours in a day that's right yeah, yeah. And question number five is, uh, what's your beverage of choice? Uh, I'm a beer guy. I'm a yeah. beer guy for sure. I'll I'll, I'll take an IPA of, of anything. I, I I like trying uh, craft breweries wherever I go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's always I, I do a lot of traveling for work right now, so it's always the destination is the the, the local uh, craft brewery bar kind of thing. And I'll try it out there. Nice. 
so that, that that's that's my drink right there it's good do you, do you have a do you have a favorite uh brewery in winnipeg that you frequent or that you buy from we uh we had a Philippine anchors meeting at torque i had torque because they were sponsored the central wildlife trail for a while there and i liked it mm-hmm. Torque blonde and we had a meeting over there and then i was able to try like have these flights and so, yeah, so yeah. torque brewery is cool trans canada is close by to our place over here too yeah fort gary and stuff but uh, torque right now is at the top of the list nice yeah winnipeg has a pretty good uh, craft beer scene mm-hmm. so it's it's nice and then uh so yeah that's the five burners and uh that's kind of a good transition you're talking a little bit about work and um can kind of get into your life and like who you are here uh at the start and um so you're you're a territory sales manager for all these outdoor equipment companies essentially right is your yeah. that's your nine to five that's the day job there uh, a friend of mine's agency dimor marketing you might know matt brown that's his agency and he was a one-man a show for for a long time yeah and he's, he's expanded so fast that he needed uh needed some help and the territory is huge it's like it really covers i have a dealer in uh happy valley goose bay newfoundland well i have a dealer in fort st john bc cranbrook bc <laughs> like like it, it's bc to newfoundland like and then some no, subdues in quebec so it's all over the place so it's a lot of travel yeah um we represent uh eskimo ion like with artisan and markham technologies Hard and soft fishing, which covers uh, Acme, Uncle Josh, Reef Runner, and Kalen's fishing, and then uh, also Mustang Survival, uh, the life jackets. We cover the the Prairie provinces for for that company. So that's amazing. Uh, keeps keeps me busy. Yeah, it's still outdoors. It's all outdoors, twenty four seven. But the nine to five, at least, is still fishing too, related. Anyway. Yeah, and you get the inside scoop on all the latest goodies coming out too, hey? Oh yeah, it's pretty exciting, man. Like yeah, like they announced things for like twenty twenty four already. You have an idea of what's coming down the pipe and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's awesome. And, so it's cool. It's cool having an inside line on some of these things. Yeah, that's sweet. And then uh, I guess like a a little more depth to your background here. Um, you're of Filipino descent. And uh, if anyone hasn't been in the fishing scene in Winnipeg or Manitoba, obviously there's a there's a huge Filipino presence in the in the uh, fishing industry sport. I don't know. What do you call yeah. it? But the uh, local community, the yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are, um, have a, have a big footprint there and, and you've, uh, you actually used to be the president of the Filipino Anglers Association. Is that Yeah. Correct? We've yeah. since, uh, rebranded as the Filipino Canadian Anglers Association of Manitoba. Nice. So, uh, yeah, cause it, 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 it's more representative of our membership. Uh, it's over 200 members now and from all cultures, it's all over the place. It's not, uh, not oh, just really? uh, Filipino uh, ethnicity, it's all kinds. You name you name the ethnicity, we have it in there. And uh, nice. so, yeah, Phil Can Anglo Association of Manitoba, and it's a great thing. So I started that in 2017, is when I started that association, and I was president for five years. They wouldn't let me leave, and then finally, <laughs> it's just so busy and so many things on the go. I always have like 14 things on the go. Yeah, and and it's time to like you know I have a hard time delegating. People who know me have a hard time delegating stuff, but. Uh, slowly hand off the reins to a, a new set of elected uh, executives, and, and they're doing a fantastic job. That was since May. Yeah, that they took over, and they're doing great. Nice. Is that is that because you you like have an idea in your head, and then you have like you know exactly how you want to execute that? It's like yeah, I'm, have... I'm I'm always full of ideas. I've got a million things that I want yeah. to see to fruition, <laughs> kind of thing or whatever. Just like we talked about only so many hours in a day. Uh, yeah. There's a million things that I want to get off the ground, and a few things I actually have have uh have taken shape and stuff like that but uh, a lot of things with fam and i've always a different events that i want to do and and and, and shoreline cleanups and and then 
charitable kind of things, give back to community kind of things and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's just that it's just, you just need, you need an army of uh, volunteers, an army of a uh, army of, of, of like-minded individuals and people willing to volunteer their time to do it. And uh, there were, there, there is a, a big group of them that want to. Mm-hmm. So might as well, you know, hand it off and uh, see what they can do. Let them run with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's one, uh, that's one amazing thing. I, I've seen your organization do there quite a bit is the, the shoreline cleanup, especially like in Lockport and stuff like that, where there's, just an overload of garbage at lots of those popular destinations. And I always try and take a garbage bag down every time I head down there, but uh, it's tough to keep up with that's for sure. So you guys are doing a lot of good in the, in the community there for the outdoors and the fishing community. So that's awesome to see too. Appreciate that. Man. Yeah. With those cleanups, there's a lot of those. So that was born out of like with the advent of online and forums and whatnot. And they've been around for a while before all this Facebook stuff and Instagram, there were these forums. You were probably part of some of them. Like, like, talking early 2000s were like just the most basic forms where you couldn't even share pictures yet yeah, yeah and then when all of a sudden when you're able to share pictures and then it was a game change and it just kept going from there kind of thing uh, stuff like ice shanty and fishing manitoba and stuff like that and our community if i said again filipinos and just basically any kind of newcomers or or or, or minorities uh, generally would always take the brunt of like you're either you're either poaching or overfishing or if it wasn't that then you were like throwing garbage on the ground now believe me there's all <laughs> kinds of people that do that stuff out there for sure of, yeah. uh, of all backgrounds it's not cool so one of the mandates of, of starting what we started there and the, is that it's, it's it's to promote promote conservation promote uh of taking care of the resource and all that kind of stuff and giving back the resource so whether whether we were doing this stuff or not or whatever i'm talking about like like minorities or whatnot we want to go out there and do some positive pr at least you know mm-hmm. there's there's people out there that that care about it like, like not that people don't care or some of it is just education or some of it is just some people think that someone else is going to come clean it up yeah. for them or whatever and and believe me it's not just the red river i've been to the most remote places man up in up in paint lake or oh, deep yeah. in opening stuff like that you name it as long as there's a place where people can get to you're going to find cigarette packs or, or oh, yeah. tim horton's cups unfortunately or or, or pickle rig packages or whatever it's yeah. unfortunate so these shoreline cases are just a small thing and we and we publicize it just to show that hey your small part, you know, take a little plastic bag with you and stuff like that, or, or whatever it is. And then whatever you bring and take it out with you kind of thing. So hopefully, you know, we've inspired a few people to, uh, to do the same. And I think we have, I mean, a lot of people are doing their part now and at least putting them in those provided garbage bins mm-hmm. in a lot of the community spots and stuff like that. So that's, that's just one of the angles that, that we do to try and give back to the community. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, there's definitely like bad apples in every group of folks out there. So it doesn't matter. You know, it's just, tough to, tough to keep up with um so you uh you wear like multiple different hats here in the in the in your life in the in fishing industry and uh we just you just wrapped up one of the biggest i'll say fishing events that winnipeg has for sure and the winnipeg ice fishing show so that's something that you put on you organize let's go into that a little bit tell me about that the Winnipeg Ice Fishing Show, yeah, that just took place on the weekend a couple of days ago. Yeah, and uh, it was our biggest one yet, uh, record attendance for us and uh, uh, gross revenue sales for everybody. It's anecdotal at the moment, but uh, smash records too. We're talking no well way. into the well into the millions, like one point two to one point five million in 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 revenue. Wow, came through the place over two days. No it was kidding. insane. It was insane. Um, it's like four thousand people, just under four thousand people. So give or take four thousand people came through. Uh, the doors over the Saturday and Sunday show, and uh, that four thousand people spent over a million dollars. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's crazy how 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 bonkers people are here in Manitoba, uh, in Winnipeg specifically for 
ice fishing, but then I, I, not just Winnipeg, because we had people that, that flew in from Toronto that drove down from Lloyd Minster, Saskatoon. They, uh, they flew in from Calgary, Come on. Manitoba, you name it. They all came from all over the place. Uh, is there nobody else is doing a hold an ice fishing show across Canada? There, there aren't. There's one, like uh, the ultimate ice fishing expo, I believe it's called in Toronto. It's going to take place in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's their first one. Oh, and then okay. before that, there was a few years of the Barry ice fishing show and that's that that is since folded that's on lake simcoe yeah yeah uh but there's no long running one this was our fourth one out of five years 2020 we don't talk about 2020 but we didn't have one in 2020 uh 2018 i started this what happened was in 2017 uh a friend of a friend of bars brianne and and, and david Olbrick, you might know himself mm-hmm. had the idea to do a, do a clinic like we did almost like a, a community clinic uh we brought in four speakers and then there was a couple of booths back there. We already have these speakers. You might as well have some booths to talk about uh, yeah. the, the Wall Anchor Association, Matoba. Uh, Rapala was there because I was connected at the time with Rapala. And, uh, you know, you had Donovan Pierce come and speak. And uh, who else? Well, Garther Chung did a seminar. And it was just a small thing in the town of Selkirk. And we filled up that Selkirk uh, hotel, that their, their multi-purpose room there. Yeah, yeah. And holy smokes. Like there's a, and they were there for all day. We did a break. <laughs> People left for a subway or whatever. And they came back. And it was all day for each seminar. It was packed. Like, oh, there's like a, a need for this or whatever. The next year we do, we're going to do a show at Winnipeg, though. We thought about soccer. I go, Winnipeg was where we'll have it. Yeah. And uh, Red River X Place had, had a hall, and it's not as expensive as the convention center. Did it there, and, and it was a smashing success. And anyone who wanted to come in, like you name it, we didn't have all the big, giant name brands. Like Eskimo and Clam have uh, been supported since the beginning. Harvester Outdoors and soccer has been there from the beginning. Uh, there, there's a few. And now... 19 we didn't have 20 21 22 now this year right to our record year and it's just getting bigger and better every year that's amazing um yeah one thing i did notice about uh about the event because I, I was there all weekend with the mwf is the it was crazy the amount of people coming through and like you said people were there to spend money and like the the first morning i was kind of we were right by the door our booth and so i could keep an eye on like how big the lineup was coming through the door and there's people lined up coming in until like noon like that's how many people were coming through is that they 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 couldn't process people fast enough to come through the door is insane on online i mean the the good advice is never read the comments kind of thing but i gotta check things and gotta feel the pulse of the community and stuff yeah and every year there's always been suggestions for improvement and this this and that and what they didn't like what they liked and whatnot and you always had your naysayers. Oh my God, when we started the show, we had some naysayers. That, that'll never fly in Winnipeg and stuff like that. Or mm-hmm. they'll never compare to the American shows and whatnot. But this year, in all honesty, like literally it's 99 point whatever percent positive comments from this year's show. And that's a testament to all the great vendors and all our great volunteers mm-hmm. and, and all the people who came down that are, these are all just people who love ice fish and they came down and everyone had a great time. So it was, it was Fantastic this year, just uh, all around uh, a smashing success and uh, bodes well for uh, for future shows. Yeah, no kidding. the The one cool thing too I, I did find uh, interesting is like obviously there, like you said, um, your the whole thing was kind of built off like hosting these seminars and the seminars that were hosted this year. Pretty much every one of them was full. It was like packed and people standing and watching and engaging with with whoever was was talking. So there's there's obviously a huge interest by people um to learn to learn more about ice fishing and and uh engage with these the the people that are up there speaking and obviously you had you had some great 
guests to talk about these topics up there too. So that, oh, that obviously helps. Definitely. So I, I never want to lose the aspect of learning at the show. Like that's my whole thing. You pay your $10 admission, kids mm-hmm. 12 and under free, but what do you get for that? And automatically your name is entered into draws. Yeah. We gave uh, like, like behind me here, you can see like that's an eye on alpha that someone's going to pick up tomorrow. We've got Eskimo tents here. We're giving out Garmin fish finders and whatnot, strike master ice suits. Uh, we've always given away prizes. Those are just free draws. And then the seminars, even if you don't buy a single thing, you have access to a Hall of Famer, Gord Pizer, to sit there and espouse his knowledge, and you can soak that all in. And uh, uh, Jay Siemens and Jamie Bruce here, those are our headliners. Cameron Tate taught about cooking Arctic char. Mm-hmm. And and then there's all kinds of other seminars in the back room, like Red River North Tourism sponsored one of the rooms in the back, and Hunt Fish and Beach Hamato have always been uh, supporters of the show. And you can have workshops, and now you're doing workshops back there with experts, like like, like local experts, and 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 they're talking about block crappie and Matt Gelly spoke, and you can get in there and really ask them, take a look at the tackle walks, look at the rods that they're using, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And people always are all over that. The filleting, we had a filleting stage and a cooking stage, and a, a couple of the great great uh, blades, you call them, uh, Daniel Stagg, Rick Loss, and Steve Berg. And Steve Berg won the competition. We have a competition to the entertainment factor, but in 34 seconds, he filleted a walleye and boneless, by the way. That was pretty good. Uh, like People were packed for those. A pike filleting mm-hmm. one? So next year, we're looking at bringing in some perch and some crappie and some different things uh, to try and show how we do that. Stuff like that. So there's always that educational component that I never want to lose. And that's that's always going to be a part of the show. That's awesome. Um, Man, how many Gord Pizer's a machine? How many many seminars did he do? I'm pretty sure Saturday he did three for sure. Yeah, he he did two on the main stage. He had a lake trout uh, workshop in the seminar room. And then he was walking the floor and just talking to anybody and everybody, taking pictures and, and having a conversation. He's such a personable gentleman, and uh, it was fantastic. It was an honor, honor to have yeah. Gord Pizer at the show. Then. No kidding, I can I can believe he's doing so. I, I do one of those. I did one last year at uh, the outdoor show, and I was exhausted after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's been doing it for, for years, for years. He could do it with his eyes closed nowadays, and uh, yeah, not a problem. I mean, last year we had a bigger one because it was a cold. Still in the middle of all that COVID stuff last year, uh, a lot of uh, retailers and, and suppliers weren't in the position to have all kinds of supply chain stuff or or, or, or to have like the sales or to have just have the budget just because of all the mm-hmm. COVID. So we had a big educational commotion last year. The Ice Fish Academy was basically half the show. We had uh, four breakout rooms and the main stage. And those were full. Like they were all going at the same time. Five okay. seminar rooms going at the same time. And they all had people in it. And you'd have to like pick what topic you wanted. And we had I had a million speakers. This year, just because we had so many more other retail vendors, I had room for uh, a cooking and filleting stage, one seminar room, and then we had the main stage. Mm-hmm. So that'll always be a part of the show in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, like it was fantastic. This year was great. I was trying to take some in. I, I taught one seminar this year. Last year, I did five. And then this year, I did one. I had to just fill in for somebody. So I did a filleting. No, I did a cooking seminar. Basically reading the instructions on the back of the package. <laughs> of catching cook and like all right uh whip some eggs up all right and i'm reading the, the instructions on the back there and we went through with the audience we had a great time thing but oh what i was saying with like the 99 positive comments uh one of the like a few of the comments that were like you could take as negative i guess was that saturday was too crowded yeah like just too crowded that you couldn't have proper conversation or some booths that you just couldn't get to just because it was so crowded or you couldn't get into a seminar so um next year we're planning on Sunday would be like a family day kind of thing, you know, focus more family day is Sunday and then Saturday is like whatever door crasher day or sales day. And we're probably yeah. going to have a Friday evening, like, you know, more relaxed and have like some kind of mixer kind of thing or whatever and have a, 
have a craft brewery. That's the plan is to have a craft nice. brewery in there. And whoever it is, like the Woods Brewing Company or, or uh, Trans Trans Canada expressed interest in doing Trans Canada Brewing. So something like that. Nice. We're, we're already planning for next year. The show just yeah. finished. I, I take a little bit of breather, like I said, and then uh, me and the team get right back at it. Yeah, I, that, that was my next question. Is like, when does planning start for it for the next year? But obviously, as soon as the, the boots leave the door there, you're already planning. Well, you're probably planning already before this the show is even launched, right? There's some things you got to book. And some people you got to book have ideas for different guests and stuff like that and and ideas for products and whatnot. Yeah, it's already, it, it, it starts well ahead of time. Yeah. And then going back to the, you know, the uh, Saturday being crowded. I feel like Saturday was the day that all, everyone that wanted to really spend some money was coming in to get first grabs of whatever was up for sale. They oh, wanted, definitely right? so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like whatever, it's like rods. Like if it was like frostbite rods or, or timber rods or something, or a bunch of the tackle. Yeah. So people, they come in, they buy a bunch of stuff first. They go back to their vehicles, leave it, and then they come back in again to take in some of the show or shoot the breeze with people and stuff like that. The cool thing is, with like we're talking about, you know, like Facebook and online forums and stuff. Like that. A lot of people only know each other from that kind of stuff. You mm-hmm. know, like like they've never even met in person. So a lot of people use the show as a place to, to get together, meet people in person kind of thing. Oh, you're so-and-so like they only know people by their profile pictures. And stuff. Yeah. So yeah. It's really cool. I heard a lot of those different kinds of conversations and we've got a concession stand and bar. We have a bar at the back and then all kinds of people just uh, meeting there and hanging out and, and, and telling fishing stories, man. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Um, so, and then, uh, so you kind of ran the whole thing through a company called kicker fish. So there's a few, few things I want to put into place here. Cause I, I don't, I feel like I know you, but I don't know everything that you do here yet completely. So you got Kicker Fish, you got the Casting Deck podcast, uh, you got your nine to five, and you got the Winnipeg uh, Ice Fishing Show. Tell me how that all works together, and, and what are what what are all the pieces of the puzzle here? So with with the local scene, we were talking the scene, the local fishing community kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm still a rookie. I'm a newcomer as it comes to it. 2013 is when I got involved. Like really involved in 2013 is when uh, Divine, that's my my wife, mm-hmm. let me go to the boat show and buy a boat. So I bought an Alumacraft. Like I wanted to do tournaments. That's always been my thing. I've had boats. I had I had had boats for a while up until then. Like you know tri hulls and they called them like Pijiji boats and stuff like that here and there. And then she finally let me buy a tournament class boat. So 2013 started doing tournaments, and I like right right from the smallest amount to a bass angler tournament, right to KBI. I did it that year and all kinds of stuff. And you're meeting people. You're going to tournaments and. Turns out I'm not, I'm okay at it. I'm actually okay at tournaments if I put my mind to it and stuff and did okay. And I started meeting people and it went from there, like 2013, I go, well, how do I find like all the results for these tournaments and stuff? I want to find like the standings. I want to see my name in lights, whether I came in 15th <laughs> place or fifth place, I want to see it. And there wasn't really a way. So I, I go, well, next season, I'm going to start a sort of database, a website that can, where you can search that up. And that was Kickerfish. Kickerfish is a, if you're not familiar with the tournament scene, kicker fish is like you have your limit and then your kicker is your big one. Your big one that really puts you, separates you from the rest kind of thing. It's your kicker fish. So it, it's tournament, like like the source of kicker fish. Kicker fish meat is the name of my company, by the way. Uh, still going. This is our uh, ninth year now. And that's where it came from. It's tournament based. And that, it turns out I wasn't able to keep up. That database was so hard. There's so many tournaments. Mm-hmm. I was doing Saskatchewan here, Northwest Ontario and beyond even. I thought we follow Jeff Gustafson all over in the States when he was doing his stuff, but it's, uh, it was hard to keep up. And then like different things were born out of that. I started, I've always organized derbies even before 2013. I've organized uh, the MYC derby. That's still going. This was our 15th this year. 
14th this year derby around the northern mountable walleye championship uh that all falls within kickerfish media like like like, like even i don't know what kickerfish media is yet but <laughs> falcon the, the falcon like winter fish shop ian young's a good friend of mine and uh he did a tag fish contest for example so i like the fish that are still swimming in falcon lake that are still worth money by the way you take it to flowmore beach marine if you catch a tag bass or northern pike in falcon lake to this day it'll still be worth something i helped tag those so i was a kicker fish like sort of help promote the yeah, yeah dan cernick uh may rest in peace whether he passed away but he's been a pioneer of doing tournaments here he was a mentor of mine kicker fish helped him do the, the when lockport had its celebrations at a tag a catfish contest there kickerfish media myself help promote that and organize it and stuff like that so running events the the, the winnipeg ice cream show is under the kickerfish umbrella mm-hmm. the casting deck podcast that's our podcast every monday uh we we we've, this is our we're entering our six seasons we've been on for five years every nice. monday at 8 15 we have it like our streak right now is three years ago and we haven't missed a monday and wow. it's live we film this thing live gets us in trouble sometimes but we film it live <laughs> yeah one hour of just shooting the breeze not talking anything and, and everything fishing in central canada yeah but yeah that all falls within that's under the kickerfish umbrella i i i do the selkirk walleye championship uh all kinds of different terms and stuff like that and off it falls under that or whatever so kickerfish meat is everything fishing kind of thing that i mm-hmm. do uh in the community here kind of thing or whatever so it falls underneath that so that's sort of what it is and that's a side thing and then I've got the day job. Yeah, yeah. And they have a million different hats, and I volunteer for all kinds of different things, and they all fall into place somewhere there. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. They find their <laughs> place. So um, I'm, I'm curious about the uh, the Casting Deck podcast too, because um, obviously, just as being a fellow podcaster, uh, I know what our motivations were, kind of getting into it. But uh, what what got you guys started into the podcast game? Well, when we started it, there wasn't there wasn't like video podcast. <laughs> Like we, we like to think that we sort of pioneered something. We were at the forefront of, of video versions mm-hmm. of the podcast, a lot of audio stuff. And I'd listened to a lot of different podcasts too back in the day. And like even like like, like Joe Rogan too, like nothing to do with fishing even, but stuff like that or whatever. And I'd, I'd listen to different things. I'm into Bigfoot. Anyone knows me? Sasquatch Chronicles and stuff like that. Oh, I'm all into that. Like a, <laughs> I'm going to pick your brain about that. Actually, you outdoorsman yourself during the woods. I'm going to ask you about Bigfoot, but that's a different podcast. But anyway, we like, I always wanted to have something. Everything was not, local you know what i mean like this yeah. is like we're talking 2017 2018 it wasn't local hence the ice fishing show got born from that uh the podcast like there's always things you're talking like you put on like wild tv or something like that it's either in australia or, or it's in southern ontario yeah. or in the southern u.s or whatever so it's it's anything linear linear media would be the closest stuff because that's like in minnesota and we can sort of relate to minnesotans or whatever there's not so much like it wasn't like local local stuff and then, you know, it is you're driving in the truck with guys to wherever, driving to Pine Falls, driving to wherever, to Kenora, and you're, and, and you're just talking in the truck and, and, and or talking in the garage or whatever it is, everybody talking at the tackle shop. Half these conversations were fantastic conversations, all kinds of interesting things. And hey, you know what? If, if if someone was just recording this, that, that would have made a great podcast. And we yeah. used to joke around about that. And one particular trip, uh, me, uh, Garther Chung, and Marcella Ferrier of Hunt and be there. And Garther Chung, maybe a lot of you listen to Garther in the local scene as well. Bizarre uh, pizza. Uh, we were driving to Pine Falls Remembrance Day, which is coming up here this week. Uh, Remembrance Day 2017. Yeah. Remembrance Day 2017. We we're driving to Pine Falls and we had a great conversation. We we're talking something about we were going to fix the world. It was like uh, the local mantle regulations. We we're going to fix something or whatever. And it goes, that would be a great podcast. And then we go, go out on the water and we fish, have a great day. Coming back home, like we should do a podcast. Let's do it. And we started that uh, maybe three weeks later. It was started. 
Nice. And uh, what format are we going to do? And, and me and Garth have never shied away from any microphone or camera before. So we're going to be on camera. We're going to go Facebook Live. Facebook Live was a thing that just started. We're going to go Facebook Live. And if you go back, the first episodes are all still there on Facebook. It's all archived. You can go back to them and still see. We were like so nervous. And we, don't yeah. know, we were trying to make them. And we had a whole like script and everything like that <laughs> or whatever. Now we just make it up as we go. Like you're talking yeah. five, six years later, we make it up as we go. But it's always been live. It's always been on video. Uh, the hosts now are myself, uh, Mike Natoli, uh, Jeremy Santos. And we have different guest hosts. Uh, Clayton Schick is just on. Jay Siemens was on the other week promoting Game of Inches and Dice Fishing Show. We have all kinds of people on there kind of thing. Uh, so we had Bob Izumi one time, like my idol. That was like a, that was a highlight for us there is to have yeah, Bob yeah. Izumi on the show. But yeah, it's one hour. Like We try to keep it at one hour. We have caught this on there. And sometimes it devolves into all kinds of different things, not fishing related. But it's always just one hour of live. And it's interactive. Like people can yeah. comment. Hence how live works. We're on YouTube now too, on on Kickerfish, of course, on the Kickerfish channel. If anyone's listening there, please check it out. Uh, hit the hit the like and subscribe, as they as as Nash would say. Uh, Yike and <laughs> subscribe. He used to say, <laughs> he never knew what that meant, but he, I taught him to say it kind of thing. But uh, yeah, check it out. Like that's the podcast, and that's my passion right now. Is uh, every Monday, like I look forward to it, man. Every Monday, yeah. here we go, and it's like you're meeting with friends again. And we're all. It's virtual, right? So, like, we're all like, we have listeners from Grand Prix, Alberta, to uh, to Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, you name it. Uh, we have listeners from everywhere. So it's just cool. We're meeting every Monday, and whatever the yeah. current events are of the week, be it be it the Super Bowl or be it uh, some new fishing regulation or big fish was caught, we sit there and and talk about it. So yeah, it that's amazing. And uh, kudos to you guys for doing it doing it live, man. That's uh, got some gonads for that because I know there's there's a few times things get cut out, but. You guys definitely have a good group of uh, conversationists. They're very entertaining folks, and uh, I feel like you you bring a lot of energy to whatever scene that you're you're attending. So that's that's a great uh, great feature to have. But uh, I also like that, like you you mentioned the live interaction of the the Facebook lives too, because like uh, I was watching the one when you guys were the last one there, right after Ice Fishing Show, you guys did one. And uh, yeah, like people were sending you guys messages, and and you were you're talking about the the topics as they came through on the comments and stuff like that, which is very cool. And yeah, yeah. it's like they, uh, they, I, I try and filter so, like some things you just can't put everything up on there because yeah. it shows up like their comment shows up on the screen, eh? and right, right, and you filter things too. But it's cool, man. They can ask whatever they want or comment, and even if we don't agree with an opinion, as long as everything's respectful, whatever, we flash everything up there, man. It's yeah, good, and, you know, whatever. But even if even if they're bashing us or something put it up that we don't shy away from anything kind of thing so yeah 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 like you said it takes a little bit of we got you get used to it we got used to the whole live aspect you know at first i mean yeah. we'd, we'd be we'd be shaken up by a few things or this this and that or we wouldn't know how to answer something but nowadays we just take it as it comes and we have a great time doing it kind of thing so, yeah yeah i know yeah. i know our I, we didn't even air our first two podcasts i think they were just <laughs> so so terrible and just like one of them we had a few too many drinks so that didn't make it and it was just like <laughs> Trying to trying to get through the fear of be, uh, being behind the microphone, so that's what we were thinking funny. too. That we if, if we recorded it when me and Garth were starting it there with Marcel, if, if we were going to record, it would never air because like we tried doing videos and Garth was actually was successful actually getting videos out there on his YouTube channel, like like video videos, right? You yeah. Know, like, on Kadangling style and whatnot, and I'm a perfectionist or whatever. Because if we just go live and we just do it, then it's out there or whatever. Yeah. And we haven't looked back since, kind of thing. We've missed. In five years, going through our sixth season now, I can count on my hands. I think it's seven weeks where we didn't go on for whatever was going on yeah. uh, at the time. We just, just couldn't do it or, or things were happening or whatever. But really, in all that time, we have a million episodes now. 
and we just go and just get used to it every Monday night. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Good for you guys. Um, okay, let's let's transition to uh, to some fishing talk here. Um, we I like this, by the way. I like this, Chase. Normally, when I'm like doing interviews and stuff, like like whether 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 it's CGOV or CBC or the the Free Press or whatever, they're always like, like they're quick. No, oh, yeah, like yeah, seven, yeah. Seven minutes, you know, it is on the radio, or whatever. And, I, and you know me, I speak mile a minute, and I have, I have a million things to say. We could talk for four hours or whatever if we wanted to, but this is cool. We're getting like right into it. I like this. Man. Oh I yeah, like yeah. This. I like, I like getting down into the weeds and on on stuff, man. So I get to know people. That's how I like like getting into the podcast thing. Like I always enjoy having a good conversation with somebody and at the end of it i'm always like it, it's i always feel refreshed after the conversation so it's it's weird to to like think about how that works but like yeah every time we have i sit down and, have, and do a podcast I'm like oh man that was that was so fun that was good you know you know what i mean so thanks, thanks and you for get, having me this is awesome and you get to have those conversations um okay yeah so we're we're on the cusp of freeze up here pretty much and uh first ice is not far around the corner um, and obviously Manitoba is, is kind of known for its greenback scene It's everyone d- doesn't know what a greenback is. It's a, a walleye and, um, the greenback specifically kind of comes, runs in the, in the, uh, Lake Winnipeg water, water systems up the Red River, some down Pine Falls. And, uh, they call them greenbacks because of the color. They got this like emerald green back that kind of fades into like a white or yeah, I guess like a white belly and, uh, some big fish. Some big fish in that lake in those water systems. So they're easy access, good fishing most of the time if you know how to find them. But uh, Eric, you are uh, known as a walleye guy across the province for sure. What are what? Take us through some of your your tactics for like first ice greenbacks. Oh man, these greenbacks. So first ice is always a killer time to get these things. But yeah, I gotta wait for safe ice. Definitely wait for safe ice. I can't stress it enough. The safe ice. Like all these guys who race. You know, like to be the first ones, one of the popular forums out there on Facebook. And, oh, my God, they, they, they race to be a nice fishing man. I told to be the first one. And I got to please, no one applaud them or nothing like that because they got to have that safe ice. That's the biggest thing. But is first ice good? It can be. I, I It isn't. Like right now, if you were to take the boat out right now, like, you know, like people think the later, in, the later into fall season you go because it just gets better and better into October and you come to Halloween, it's great. As soon as the water hits a certain temperature and it starts to get closer to, to ice up, ice up and beyond it actually slows them down like like the walleye like people going out today for example there were people on boats today and i would bet any money that they didn't have like as good a day as they had a week and a half ago mm-hmm. for sure you catch some but not a lot definitely not it's like oh it, was, it wasn't that good today whatever you think it'd be better it's not and then first first ice isn't good either kind of thing they almost take a take a little bit to acclimate if we're talking like red river fish yeah same with the lake the lake the, the ice form, forms way later than the red, red river actually forms ice first uh, it takes them a bit, but then you get a week of ice up and now you're talking second week of December kind of thing. Like if you're approaching Christmas, bam, it's lights out. Red Rivers lights out. It, yeah. it really is. It's good. It's good. It, it's fantastic. Uh, uh, CIL, for example, is a popular spot. Now people walk out of full plane base and stuff. And as long as there's safe ice and the main, oh man, killer stuff this time at, at that time of year. So it doesn't take much. It, you just drop in the water so clear nowadays too, with all the zebra yeah. muscle stuff that it is clear, depending if there's any kind of flow, if there's late season flooding. Look, this year looks like it's just, the water level is already really low. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like we're going to get too much precipitation. It's looking like it's going to be really good. Water will be great. You'll drop down. Your line won't even go sideways too much. And, and you'll find that you'll hammer the walleye just like you were about mid-October kind of thing, third week of October when it was slamming. 
Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll really be slamming in December. The lakes uh, takes a little bit, a little bit later. You're talking around Christmas. You start to be able to walk out Shelly Beach and stuff like that, Dawson Bay. Uh, all depends on the weather and stuff. But yeah, hitting those hitting those places. There, there's other places that we hit. Like I hit Lake Manitoba, way more. Like they aren't greenbacks over there. Those are those are prairie walleye, uh, prairie golden walleye. But I hit Twin Beach every December. Like it's uh, it, that's that's the first place I ice fish was uh, Sugar Island and Twin Beach were the first place that I ice fish. Nice. Way back in the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah. That's that's where I broke my teeth ice fishing kind of thing. I feel like Lake Manitoba is just it's kind of blown up right now too. Yeah, some people blame me for that too. I get messages from guys in Perry and London. Why did you? Why did you talk about it? Why did you talk about Delta? I go, well, Delta's no secret. But yeah, but if you talk about it, people will go. Well, I guess so. I guess so. I'm sorry, but you know, I mean, I, I don't. You can talk about it all you want. Like people will go and stuff like that. It doesn't get like fades away. Like like Lake Winnipeg, people do hit hard. I mean that yeah. that that place really gets hit. But Lake Manitoba is another place to go hit. There's all kinds of other places to hit too. Yeah. But like I said, those greenbacks, that's mid-December, safe ice. You're not necessarily driving it at that time, not necessarily, but no, you're walking yeah. out and you'll hammer them. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like personally, I'm not normally driving on the ice till like the, likely like the second week of January is like when I'm heading out on the ice. Usually when it's about like at least 15, close to 15 inches ice, I think normally 15, 18 kind of thing is what I like. But, um, for those folks that are listening and don't really understand the whole greenback situation here too, they do like a, a fall migration from Lake Winnipeg up the Red River. The fishing gets really good in the fall in the Red River for greenbacks. And uh, the saugers, you can't keep the saugers off your off your hook in the fall time for sure. It's oh, bananas. Yeah. There's, there's a million of those things there. Like, like, like these walleye, these greenback walleye are, are almost like salmon. Salmon is almost the analogy that I use where they – they migrate. They all come from that north basin of Lake Winnipeg. Lake Winnipeg, as many of you know, is, is one of the largest lakes, in, freshwater lakes in the world. 15th, I think it is, is in the world. Um, that whole northern basin is full of walleye. And they aren't greenbacks up there. They're walleye. Like, like, like they're just, they're walleye. They're, they're gold, yellow, black kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When they come down into this siltier south basin, and they, they go through Hecla, and they go through Manicotaga, and they come down, uh, then they get that sort of, uh, it's a bit of a chemical reaction. And you get that emerald green, that iridescent green. And they've always been like that. I, I mean, my earliest memory is like fishing my dad, pickle rigging at Selkirk. This, this is they're talking late 80s. I was 10 years old. Though. We'd catch green. Why is that pickerel? Pickerel is what we call it, right? Well, why is that pickerel green? Mm-hmm. And my dad's like, oh, that's in the, in October, they turn green because they're about to lay eggs. Like that's what that would tell you back in the days. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, the, that was bro science. That was the bro yeah. science there. In October, they, 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 they turn green, he says, or whatever, but. Whatever it was, I, I always remember that they were really, really green, bright green. Yeah. But they're cool. If you've never seen one, like the pictures never do it justice. Like, I mean, there's always pictures on it, but it doesn't yeah. do it justice. You get some good ones up close, maybe that you get a really nice shot of that bright green. It isn't doctored up. It's not. It's not uh, edited or nothing. That's the color. Right? We're talking Wizard of Oz emerald green. Yeah. Uh, and they're really cool looking and stuff. But they're walleye. They're just walleye. Is what they are. I, um, but they're but they're fun to catch and they get huge. They get huge. You're saying like it's just easy pickings. Re- relatively speaking yeah they re- it really are like anyone anyone with, with with a fishing rod and and some frozen minnows however method you want to present those baits mm-hmm. can catch one uh out there on the red river pine falls wherever you name it uh gimli pier kind of thing you can get yeah. them and uh they they come down they all don't go into the red river for example some of them will that's what the whole thing with the salmon is like where they where they spawn 
is where they sort of go back to again. So a lot of them are in that south toenail of the, of the South Basin there. You're talking like like Prudence and, and Shallot and, and Winnipeg Beach and then and, and up towards Grand Beach. Wherever they go, they, they, they tend to go back there because the Broken Head River has them, Icelandic, they'll go into that. Any kind of tributary of, of uh, the Southern Basin, they'll mm-hmm. go in. And the Red River, of course, being one of the biggest ones. And any of those creeks, Netley Creek, I've caught them all the way yeah. back at the end of Wavy and Muckles. At the end, down in Clandaboy kind of thing, I've caught them down yeah. there. So wherever that all connects man give it a shot you throw you throw some bait out there and you have a chance to catch it yeah we we uh i actually lived off of uh medicine creek which is right in clandaboy pretty much for a few years and uh my brother would cast a line off the dock once in a while there and he'd pull in the odd walleye in that oh, yeah, creek yeah. and it's shallow shallow like it, you could walk across that creek most days <laughs> that's how shallow yeah. it is yeah in the spring especially i've been deep in those places in the spring so anyone who's getting into the whole kayak fishing game or whatever those are some great waters to go yeah to go to go try that out in because especially in the springtime they're full they're full of fish in there man there's crappie in there too actually nowadays yeah there's their crappy pop, crop populations uh getting All pretty high there. up yeah, there yeah. too yeah 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 sure um so through the ice though obviously jigging minnow is probably the most popular method of, of chasing these things around but uh besides like a jigging minnow and something like a, a live target a rattle bait or element custom bait what are say like two more of your preferred methods to uh, to chase these things uh, a different way like you, you mentioned those two a lipless crank and a, and a jig and a minnow are very popular i mean like those are tried and true methods but you can mm-hmm. also do different things like uh we call them a hard-bodied kind of bait so now you're talking your your acme hyper rattle uh your 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 rapid jig and wrap kind of thing you know mm-hmm. that, that kind of lure and uh those things tend to dart around and stuff like that those things will catch fish especially in the wintertime kind of thing because you, you have more of a the water isn't really flowing, especially in a river kind of situation. Yeah. You've got like like static kind of water. That thing really gets to, to shine and does this whole circling thing and stuff like that. That'll get them sometimes. Sometimes they don't even bite it. Those that the bait slaps them in the face, and that's what hooks them kind of thing. Because <laughs> those things are darting around all over the place or whatever. Yeah. So and then there's a classic. The classic is the chubby darter. So Salmo Chubby Darter, when when Lake Winnipeg first took off, and it's relatively new. Like we're like, I think the first time, like I've I've always I've always fished Lake Winnipeg walking out at Matlock. Matlock's what we called it. We yeah. never drove on or sledded on. Like we're talking way back. We had fish in Twin Beach. We'd fish uh, Delta. We'd fish the Red River at Sugar Island, like I said, or scale. And Matlock was one of the places that we would go hit. And it wasn't like the Lake Winnipeg that you know now that the whole world knows. We would just walk out from there, especially in March. It was good. And people have always fished it, but it wasn't like this big mainstream thing. And then I don't know what the years was. I would say 2007 was when somebody put up a post of his pail full of walleye and he flashers were just a thing right there. And he yeah. took a picture of his hummingbird ice 45 and it was full. Like see all that? It was like a Christmas tree. And those are all walleye. And that was then I, I'm almost certain it was 2007 because the next winter, 2008, I remember driving my trailblazer out there. Like this is the first time I've driven out here. I can't believe like we're out here on Lake Winnipeg. <laughs> I've always seen this thing from the distance and, and and the rest is history now. Like I mean, yeah. uh, for for better or worse, I think it's for the better. Some people don't like it, but it's fantastic. I mean, like now now it's like, holy smokes! Like Lake Winnipeg is the, is the place there. Uh, I forgot what I was saying, but I, I still recall that story there when it first. I still remember the first time, and then and word got out, and that was it. Yeah, and that's yeah. the power of the internet. That's the power of the internet and, and online. Of uh, and some people are a lot more careful now. Like I mean, Lake Winnipeg can support it. One of the largest lakes in the world, like we just said, but some other lakes can't yeah and if word gets out to places they can 
really get annihilated or really uh, populations crash and stuff like that too. So people are a lot more careful nowadays uh, with pictures and places and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's one of the things I chatted with with uh, April Volke about too. Is just like you know what are what are some good and what are, what are some bads that uh, technology has has brought. And she said just like some of those sensitive, more sensitive fisheries need to be protected from Definitely the so. online Definitely stuff. So. Um, but yeah, back to Lake Winnipeg for a second here. I, I remember the early days when we started going on. We we probably didn't start fishing it until probably 2006, 2007. And uh, I, re- I remember it like, you know, it was kind of like the going out into the frontier, you know, there wasn't a lot of action out there. And then now it's like, it's a sight to see out there. Not, not so much last year because the access was tough, but the year before that access was pretty good. And it was like, ice fishing village out there as far as you can look if you got in the middle of that thing as far as you can look either way it was ice shacks and people fishing and they're just always a couple augers go on kind of thing yeah it's pretty wild it's pretty interesting to see in the mornings you'd go out there and like you go out there like whatever as the sun's coming up in a sea of red lights yeah it's all you see because all the brake lights and and, and and the vehicles getting to where they're going or the snowmobiles eh? and it's just crazy and, and you used to hear the sound like like, like the of all the augers Bam, you'd have that first seven o'clock to eight thirty. Everyone set up their holes and you said it'd be constant. You'd hear the gas motors and then it'd be quiet down and people would fish. And once you get that eleven o'clock slowdown, people start to move spots. You'd have another wave yeah. hearing those augers. And we joke around now with all the how great the the, the electric augers are nowadays. It's silent out there. Yeah. It is silent. It's like it's almost if someone starts up a gas one. You get a sideways looking. Why are you being so noisy? For? <laughs> Stop it! Or sometimes if someone has one, we're like, you know what? Bring that over here because sometimes that throws up the bite. Yeah. For whatever reason, it actually does. I mean, it's really good for perch too, especially. That's one of the tricks of the trade. There is uh, start up the gas auger, and now you have to just simulate it because we have all these great like a, an ion ion is what yeah. I use and I represent, and they're so silent, can't even make that sound. So now we like start the trucks or start the sleds, and yeah. maybe that sort of simulates the rumble and stuff. But yeah, it's it's, it's a sight to be seen if you haven't been out there. Check it out. I mean, it's it's cool fishing out there in the wintertime on Lake Winnipeg. Yeah, it's definitely cool. And it's funny you talk about the auger too, because I've I've experienced that quite a bit, where you just finish drilling drilling holes, and then, bam, you drop the hook down, and you got one on right away, right? Oh man, it's everyone could be a hero on that lake, you know, and that's what gets people hooked. Like, like I I tell everybody, like uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Central Canada, if you want to like really spread it out, is is the epicenter. It's the literal center of the continent, but it's the epicenter of the ice fishing scene. Yeah, in North America, it really is like like the U.S. Midwest, uh, the GTA area, Quebec, uh, everyone far west of us over here. Look, look to this area as the source of what's new, what's good, what's cool, kind of thing. It helps that a lot of the famous YouTubers are based here, or a lot of their content is based here. It helps that we have. The longest season, aside from none yeah. of it, I guess, or whatever. We've got the longest season. We've got five, six months of solid ice fishing here. So that helps too, kind of thing. Where a lot of places you're talking weeks, you know, like like legit weeks, mm-hmm. a couple months at most in some places. So we're seen as the place kind of thing to, to really like, like things are tried and tested here. Uh, what works? Big fish, of course. And walleye, of course, is king. And uh, we have all kinds of things a little further. We got lake trout and stuff. So we're, we're seen as the whole center of the whole thing. So it was natural to have like that ice fishing show here. It's natural to have a lot of the famous YouTubers and content creators like a source here and stuff like that, you know? So yeah, like, I mean, our scene really is, is, is looked at, at the ice fishing capital kind of thing or whatever. And uh, I, I really tell that to everybody kind of thing, like, like be proud, like be proud that we have 
and and be proud of the resource mm-hmm. you know like like don't don't abuse it like you know we have to respect it and and try to protect it i know i know the like the departments and stuff like that are always trying to implement things and whatnot you might not agree with everything they want to put in but a lot of it is for the protection of the resource kind of thing because we do have a great resource and uh, people come here from far and wide and this is our legit backyard mm-hmm. it's in our legit it's, it's even more in your backyard than it is in my backyard actually so uh, it's world class and it, it, sometimes it's just a marketing thing I worked for Travel Matova for three years there and world class was a, like a term that I used a lot of or whatever it's world class world class this and but it really is like no doubt about it our, our walleye fishing here our, our ice fishing in general is legit world class and we have it in our backyard so don't take it for granted don't yeah. sell it to people yeah no kidding it is it's a huge economic driver in Manitoba and like you compare it to like the walleye fishery to like Alberta let's say where you need a tag on some lakes to go yeah. catch one walleye <laughs> like and that that's all you get for the year it's pretty crazy to think about like like that so the first time i remember the first time i heard that i was like what is that a thing Are people doing that <laughs> tag for, for walleye yeah. yeah like i have I, I spoke to a guy i was in edmonton a few weeks back and uh hinton he's like in hinton it's just that's before between edmonton and jasper yeah like how's that work with the tag thing oh yeah yeah you have to have a tag and you're like you know you're, you're all excited if you get the tag or whatever so we've moved on to perch now we're like we're, we target jumbo perch is what he says and he's showing yeah. these giant perch and stuff like that that they target because it's like it's 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 special to go be able to go catch a wall it's crazy like we, yeah, yeah. we don't fathom that here kind of thing right because they're dime a dozen almost right no kidding anyways okay so um we got the ice fishing thing covered but uh i do want to talk a little bit about uh a little bit about cooking and uh, just because I know that the Filipino culture is has amazing food, always enjoyed the Filipino cuisine. And uh, you guys are like, you come from like a fishing country, so that's that's it's, it's very deep in your in your culture, the fishing, the cooking, and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm interested too. When uh, like was it your parents that came to Canada or grandparents or? It was uh, my parents, my mom. My mom lived in Holland. So, like, I was watching TSN. So, TSN this morning. Yesterday, we had Filipino Heritage Night at the Winnipeg Jets game. Nice. Versus Dallas. And it was great. It was fantastic. That was yesterday. And I was watching TSN this morning, Sports Center. And uh, Jay Onright was like, you know, a lot of people might not know, but uh, Winnipeg has the highest Filipino ethnicity population in Canada. And, uh, like, and that, then he means like per capita. Mm-hmm. Like, we have what, 900,000 people in Winnipeg, 800,000. In, in, in Manitoba, we have is 90 to 100,000. It's almost like 10%. Filipino ethnicity. Uh, the source, like why Winnipeg has that high population, that high density of Filipino, like, like it's all sourced from the original immigrants here from the Philippines were doctors and nurses. That was in the mid to late 60s. There was a big influx of them. And then in the mid 70s, it was the garment industry. Winnipeg was a garment industry. Uh, that sort of faded, really faded nowadays. But the garment industry in Winnipeg, it was it was a hub. And a lot of the seamstresses were from the Philippines. They were all in Holland first big waves, big gruesome. My mom was out there in the seventies in Holland. And then when that industry sort of, uh, started to dwindle down, Winnipeg came recruiting and there was a recruiter who came to Holland, come to Winnipeg and work. And they all hmm. came over here. So these are all a bunch of ladies. And we're talking by the thousands of oh, Filipina, young Filipino ladies that came here. And then, uh, some married locally, uh, some stayed in Holland, but a lot of them, you know, go back to vacation in, in the Philippines. And then like my mom and, uh, went back and, uh, you know, married her, her high school sweetheart there or whatever. And then my dad came after kind of thing. We're talking mid-70s. My dad came over in 77. My mom was here in 74, Winnipeg. I was born in 78. 
I was made in the Philippines. I did the math one time. <laughs> where, where was I made your, <laughs> I did the math one time. <laughs> I found I was made in the Philippines kind of thing. I was, which is pretty gross if you think about it. But anyway, but anyway, I was born here. I was born in Mr. Cordial Hospital. So I'm born and raised in Winnipeg. I get asked that a lot. Like I'm, 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 I'm off on a tangent again, but in the States, I work for these American companies or whatever. I still get asked whatever. I'm conversing with them now, right? Do you speak English? Like when they see me for the first time, do you like, dude, man, we've been emailing for a year and a half now or whatever. Like, I mean, I don't sound like, like we've spoken on the phone a few times or whatever. Now that you see what I look like, all of a sudden is, do you speak English? Like, oh my God. Anyway, that's something else, whatever. But yeah, yeah but life, lifelong Winnipegger. So th- that population now in Winnipeg of like 50, 60, 70,000, because other communities like Steinbeck, for example, has a lot of Filipinos, Brandon does, that was from that group of doctors, teachers, nurses, and then the seamstresses. And now that that all came from here because, you know, family came over, my aunts and uncles, for example, Winnipeg might be a cool place and they come over, have kids and whatnot. And I have my kids. So that's, that's our, we're deeply rooted in Winnipeg and uh, we love this place kind of thing. And this is our place here. So hence why Philippine heritage night, you know, it's just sort of honoring like the heritage of of where we all came from. We're all proud Canadians, but uh, Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're celebrating that. So the cool thing is we want to always want to share our culture. Hence the Philippine Anchor Association, Manitoba, hence us talking about Filipino cuisine and stuff. And, and there's a there's a lot of cool things that we do. I I was in that uh, the Winnipeg Free Press uh, put out a a cookbook, and uh, I had a recipe in there, and it's a little bit of Canadian fusion put into it or Thai fusion into it, but it's a uh, it's ginataan na walai, so it's walai mm-hmm. with coconut milk and hot chili peppers kind of thing, and it is this this concoction that's made, and it, it's oh man, delicious. You put that over a bed of rice. I get that book. That's at uh, McNally Robinson. Actually, I'm plugging that book there, but check it out. It's a uh, nice. home style cookbook winnipeg free press home anyway, style yeah eva wasney wrote that she did a great article there it's a oh. the community cookbook if i can Maybe if i can find it online i'll drop it in the uh yeah if you can there yeah it's it's, it's fantastic my recipe recipes in there a little bit of my story too is in there but yeah like, there's all kinds of stuff so like filipino cuisine back to what you were asking about there is uh the, the spanish had control of the philippines for hundreds of years mm-hmm. uh so there's a lot of spanish influence in our food uh just just anthropologically we have our local cuisine but it's a lot of chinese inspired too because a lot of chinese merchants were there a lot mm-hmm. uh, in the philippines so malaysian thai so there's always these different uh and then you throw in the american influence to this day uh so our culture and, and it's very very like people go well do you speak uh filipino and i go i speak a couple of filipino languages myself like oh, how many are there there are someone's going to correct me if i'm wrong but there are 13 distinct languages in the philippines wow. over 70 dialects holy and they say dialects and i go so i listen to one of the dialects and i don't understand a word. that's a dialect of one of the languages that i know and i don't understand even a word they're saying so like there's there's got to be like over like 50 like really and yeah. i speak two different uh-huh. ones and they're completely different like these two languages i speak tagalog and ilocano and they're different like they're completely different languages so you take all those provinces that we have like just as a little bit of background like the philippines all the islands yeah like distance wise it's wide it's pretty wide it's uh maybe like Churchill to Winnipeg mm-hmm. distance wise. But if you shrunk all those islands together, they would all fit into Manitoba kind of thing or whatever. So, but all those, there's like all a bunch of provinces and they all have their own cultures, cultures as in their own language, their own dress and their own food. So there's all kinds of food in the Philippines. Philippines isn't just one culture. It's, it's, it's uh, over a hundred different kinds of yeah, cultures. Yeah. And, and like in Winnipeg, we have different associations, like cultural associations and they're all Filipino, but they all have their from different provinces. And they have their own kind of different associations and stuff like that because they all speak different languages and whatnot. 
even different religions. The southern part is is more Muslim, and the northern part is Roman Catholic, and then you got everything in between. Yeah. So that all relates back to the food. So you go back at what's Filipino food? It's all kinds of different yeah. things or whatever, right? Now you asked if it was like with the ocean. A lot of it is like my parents are from the Saskatchewan of the Philippines. It's like Luzon, the biggest island that Manila is on. We're smack dab in the middle where it takes about a couple hours to get to the closest beach. So they're like, they're, they're right there. So it's a lot of vegetables and stuff like that and, and chicken gotcha. and pork. Not a lot of beef out there, but there there are like like fish inspired stuff. But a lot of our fresh water, like, like walleye, for example, is very conducive to a lot of our recipes. It's just, it's a great fish all around kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But it does, it fits a lot. And then people go like, why do these people take like the drum? You know, like, like silver bass, freshwater drum. Like, oh, what do you do with that or whatever? There are some dishes that are that they're great for actually, like the drum are fantastic for. A lot of it is like you know, you're stuffing with tomatoes and onions and, and peppers, yeah. and, you, and you grill it over the fire, kind of thing. It's a it's a greasy kind of fish, so it's really good for that. It's not so much good for table fare as far as like making different kind of dishes, but no, it's cool. And then like like catfish, for example, there's dishes for that. It's popular in the U.S. South and, and other places and in China. So we have dishes too that where channel catfish would be mm-hmm. great. Bullhead, not so much. <laughs> it's true. I, I've tried. I've tried them. All have you night. tried bullhead? bullhead? Bull, I tried bullet. Not as good. The meat, the meat is like real, like catfish meat. It, it's yellow to begin with. Like you name it, blue. Uh, those uh, flatheads, yeah, yeah. cats. They have a yellowish tinge, almost like, like you call it yellow. It's not the word is like you can say yellow, but anyway, bullhead have an even more yellow kind of meat. No, really, and it's not not as cool. Not as cool. No, channel no, catfish. When they still have the spots in Manitoba, we have a regulation: anything over twenty four inches, twenty four and up, you can't take. Yeah. whatever that is in centimeters or whatever like you can that's where we have a world-class speaking of world-class fisheries or channel cat fishery is uh, is the best i guide a lot of uh, i guard i guide part-time but i didn't even talk about that i guide part-time on the river there and uh for some, some of the local charter groups and i just took some americans out and they catch blue catfish and flatheads where he's from mm-hmm. in in uh in arkansas and they go and they're giant but our channel catfish, he says, this is nothing compares. And it's so easy. I've caught 20 today. My arms are falling off. We don't catch 20 down there, he says. <laughs> but anyway, I'm off on a tangent again. But anyway, bullet's not as good. Channel catfish, when they're younger, the juveniles, uh, when they still have spots on them, you're talking like you're a 20-inch channel catfish. When they have spots on them, mm-hmm. that's actually your, your eater, your nice. eater catfish. But to give it a shot one time, I'm going to yeah, prepare yeah. it for you, Chase. You're going to try it out here, man. We're going to I'm the, You know, I, I've had it before. We, we used to catch them on the lake off of uh, Crow Island. We'd go fish the little channel there. And uh, so there's, from what I understand, I mean, there's still big catfish in the lake. You see Josh McFadden, he catches some really big catfish all the time on the, on the east side. And But um, I, was, I was talking to Don Lamont about this, and he said there's a there's a study out there that actually studied, like, the, the big cats in, in, the, in the river and stuff like that. And he said the closer you get to the dam, the locks there, you, the, the bigger the fish get pretty much is where the big the big fish go to hang out. So if you want to catch smaller fish, go down river, go to the lake find a lot smaller catfish but yeah we used to catch them there and we used to uh fry them up and like i've, I've had a few catfish fries and I, I i like catfish it's a good fish yeah it, it's surprisingly good like it, it really is and I, I know i've been to chicago and different places down south and they sell them in their supermarkets there yeah you'd be hard pressed to find catfish out here maybe aside from some of the the ethnic supermarkets maybe but yeah like down south they love it or whatever so See, yeah that's it's it's a really um well when you come having the conversation again about, you know, just what's, uh, what's accepted locally and, and, uh, man, I'm, I'm lost for the word right now, but anyways, the, uh, the, like the local cuisine in, in the States is catfish is very popular and they eat like big catfish down there too. Giant and, catfish, and it's yeah. like, 
It's one of the, I think it's catfish. I've, I heard this on, uh, I think it was a mediator podcast. They said catfish is the most consumed fish in North America. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. Like when you see some of the, like flatheads are, are the like what they eat a lot of down there. Like when the yeah. people go noodling or they have tournaments, they're all catch and kill, and they they go crazy over down there kind of thing. Like I don't know if it's good or bad here that we don't like we have a great fishery yeah. because of it, but we don't. No one really eats them here. And I guess the regulations help out there too. But yeah. there is a small commercial fishery for it on Lake Winnipeg. It's it's exported, of course. No one. It's smoked catfish. There's a small niche. Yeah, commercial fishery here, and I think no one here buys it. I think that uh, I've I've bought the smoked catfish before from from guys, but I think that's changed now. I was talking to a guy last weekend, and he said there's there's no market or there's you're not allowed to sell a catfish anymore. Can't remember. Yeah, I don't know exactly what 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 the deal is, but uh, uh, we didn't get into details. But I, he said something's changed, so I'm not too white sure. Whitefish are that. back in big numbers again, especially in the South Basin. Yeah, white, the whitefish are really back in it, and they have a big commercial value too. So. That might have something to do with it as well. That uh, like like some nets are just going after whitefish, and they're not even going after the wall anymore. You know what I mean? So it's just the whitefish have really come in. Hence, there was, there was a fish white bass. So I grew up fishing white bass here. Uh, if people aren't familiar, it's uh, it's not really a bass. It's a uh, it's got a striped kind of thing there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can look it up. They're white bass. They're cool fish, but they don't exist anymore in the South Basin. They're gone. Back in three years, it's weird. Like they're gone, gone, and it's not. If a population was getting sort of decimated or whatever, you would, you'd see a, a gradual, like, you know, even if it was drastic, you would see sort of maybe not as much, you know, that kind of thing. But they were here one year, like in crazy numbers, because like, like these things, if anyone who's fished for them, you could cast a cigarette out there on your hook and you'd catch them. <laughs> I've, I've caught white bass with, with just a plain lead head, jig head with no bait in it whatsoever. You drop okay. it down and yeah. you're still getting hit because they, they're schooling fish and they're that voracious and they're gone. Like they were gone. Yeah. Like that one mate. Everyone would wait till May, opening day, and go get them. You're talking, uh, you know, Pine Falls, uh, uh, Willow Creek, all around the South Basin, and they're just gone, gone. Yeah. So scientists, like the biologists, don't know. Aaron, we was like looking too, where they go, and we do not know. It'd be curious to. They don't have any kind of commercial value, and and they're in, the, in recreation, they're very niche. Yeah. So not everyone's looking into it, but it's very curious, almost concerning. Yeah. Like how a population could just disappear like that. It is strange like that, and. and- the, the thing is, too, like you talk to the commercial guys and they're also saying that they're not catching them in their nets either. So it's not like the wreck anglers aren't aren't the only ones that get them. Like they're not showing up anywhere. Right. Which is it's strange. It's so weird to me. Yeah. I've heard word up no, further north, Anima Bay, that there's still some. So maybe they they just got pushed out and maybe they're all up in that northern basin now. Maybe. maybe that's what it is. You know, it's been changed yeah. because the whitefish are down here in, in heavy numbers now. Yeah. It's only a matter of time where some people are going to start getting them ice fishing. Yeah, I believe that heavily that the people are going to start fishing. Yeah, someone's just going to pull out. They they don't really bite. Like you can't get them on a hook and thing. It's very hard to get them on a. In different fisheries, you can like you can actually target them. On Lake Winnipeg, it's hard. It's it's, it's very hard to catch one like actually legit angling. I've but I've had I, that I, com- I conversation a couple times about like how do you catch whitefish on Lake Winnipeg? Because there's huge whitefish on Lake Winnipeg. Huge, and lots it's of like them. why aren't anybody? Why isn't anybody catching these? It's weird. Yeah. It's weird that you can't. It just, it's just so weird. Like, so someone's going to crack that nut. But, but like, you, yeah, like you said, there's other fisheries in Manitoba where you can go and you can target whitefish and do great catching whitefish. Not but wild. Like, it's just, like Winnipeg's just strange. Sometimes when you think you know a lot about stuff or whatever, we, really we don't. There's a lot of things that we don't know about, especially our freshwater lakes. And there's not a lot of, like, say, underwater footage of our mm-hmm. lakes, for example, our river. Like, yeah. it's not, not, like, I mean, 
it's murky and stuff. Now it's clearing up and stuff. But there's not a lot of like, to be honest with you, not a lot of aside from tagging studies and stuff like that. We don't know a lot about a, no some of our fish. You know? Yeah, and I also heard this the other day too. Is that like when you put things on the on the grand scale of things and the amount of time we actually spend observing what's happening in nature, it's, it's a very short time in that in the life of say Lake Winnipeg or the life of the the white bass or the walleye or you know in in a overview right, right. so it's not just like a snippet just a it, snippet as, as yeah. much as like we we try to figure out what's actually happening we might not have a hot clue what what is actually happening and it's you could to be totally out of some info yeah, yeah we we have in the end it's just not enough data right? yeah. not enough at all so i'm i'm always all for anyone out there who's trying to so if you're applying for grants through FWF or anything like that or anything to do with the, you know mwf or whatever i'm always all for anyone who's trying to data collect because that mm-hmm. is that is valuable you know so anyway you're trying to like we do i do a lot of tournaments i'm always tournament biased and I, I love tournaments but i always love tournaments to collect data like it mm-hmm. all helps whatever whatever fish you're seeing any kind of bycatch whatever mortality rates you name it I, I love i love all that kind of stuff and people should be uh collecting that and, and starting things or whatever get a grant mm-hmm. and do some stuff out there because uh it's good to know and it helps to protect the resource in the long run 100 percent, man well, this has been a great conversation, Eric, and uh, thanks for joining me. Um, before we leave, though, why don't you give all your businesses one more shout out and let everyone know where to find it and when, where, and uh, how to how to look for it. Kickerfish.ca. That's the, the easy one right there. Check it out. It's uh, The website's under construction. I'm in the middle of uh, getting a new one going with some e-commerce going. But uh, it would help if everyone goes to, to YouTube if you're on there. Check out the Kickerfish. Just type it in there. It'll show up. You'll see your podcast, first of all, and then uh, I'm going to be getting into doing uh, more videos. Actually, going to give that a shot and actually get some consistent uh, content on there. So, nice. Speakerfish, Castanet Podcast, check it out. All right. Thanks again for joining us, man, and uh, maybe we'll see you on the water. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. All right. That's a wrap for episode 139. Thanks again to Eric Labopa for uh, joining us on this episode. Like I said, I learned a bunch, and uh, as you heard in the episode i really enjoyed getting to sit down and kind of dig in a little deeper with some folks and really get to learn to know him i've known eric through the social media scene for a long time met him a few times at uh, certain events but i've never gotten to have that long form conversation ever with him and uh i really enjoyed it so hopefully we can get on the ice and uh ice a few greenbacks this winter but uh before we wrap up here folks just a reminder, head over to our store, panoramicoutdoors.com, and pick up your favorite Panoramic Outdoors gear. we got some new hats in stock right now. The Archer's Camo. It's a great fitting hat. Beautiful little discreet patch on there. And uh, we have kids stuff. We have some new stuff coming in just in time for Christmas. We'll have some cutting boards available for the purchase. And uh, they're great. Make a great stock and stuff for gift. Tristan, any final words? Well, we're going to know the crunch time in the season here. So if you haven't got it done yet, like ourselves, we're going to wish you luck out in the field there. And we're going to hope that you get it done. Keep sharing those harvest photos with us. We absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, if we don't see you in the woods, we'll remind you to keep an edge on your knife. Keep that wood stove bucking and uh, maybe have a plan to get your deer out of the woods. That's that's an important one. Yeah. Don't rely on your deer wagon. (laughs) See you guys. 